This is Mark McCloskey on fire on News Talk STL. The only unforgivable crime in this country is to stand up against the left. This is Mark McCloskey on News Talk STL, and we're on fire, and we're going to do this every Sunday afternoon. You know, I used to call it the left, but I don't call it the left anymore. In the two years that I was on the campaign trail and the six months before that that I was campaigning for President Trump, the one thing I found out is that the left isn't just the Democrats. The left just isn't the government that is. The left just isn't education and media and uh, entertainment industry and everything else. The left is everything. It's most of the Republicans. It's almost all of the media. It's almost all of entertainment. So I no longer call it the left. I call it the powers that be. T-P-B. T-P-T-B. The powers that be. And that's who runs our world. It's who always has run our world. And the topic of today's program is that everything that the powers that be has told us for as long as we have been alive and longer than I've been alive has been a lie. Okay? It's a lie designed for one purpose, to confuse us and to take our eye off the big picture And that big picture is a single world socialist government, the Great Reset. That's what all these lies are designed to do, is to further the cause of a single world centrally controlled government run on socialist, Marxist, Leninist principles. And by the way, I digress. But I uh, was uh, driving by Wash U yesterday, and I saw a uh, poster taped to a sign that said, Socialist Revolution, World Socialism in Our Lifetime. Uh, which is an organization now claiming to be in several states, uh, which is calling for a Marxist revolution in the United States to bring Marxist, Trotskyite, Leninism to our country immediately in our lifetime. So I digress. So let's talk about what kind of lies the government has told us even before my, my birth. Let's start, for example, with Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor, I think 3,900 Americans' lives were lost, and it was it was promoted by and encouraged by the Roosevelt administration to get us into World War II. Those of you who are um, older than me will remember this. Those of of us who are my age or younger have only read about it. But December 7th, 1941, a date that will live in infamy, is not infamous because the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. It's infamous because Franklin Delano Roosevelt and the powers that be that wanted to get the United States in the Second World War, needed an excuse to do it. Just like in the Spanish-American War, they had to have, remember the Maine, in uh, World War II, we needed to get into that war to promote geopolitical interests of the powers that be and the big money interests and to make some money for the defense complex. And so, even though we intercepted Japanese coded messages describing the attack, giving the time and the date, And even though the radar operator in Hawaii saw the incoming attack and was ordered to ignore it, 3,900 American lives were lost in order to prompt the American people to remember that date and cause us to go to war. And the honor of going to that war was another half a million Americans dead. So let's go forward a few years. Now it's uh, July the 8th, 1947, and uh, there's a little Roswell Air Force base down in New Mexico, and a guy named Major Jesse Marcel reports that they've captured an unidentified flying object, including inhabitants, some dead, some alive. Well, Jesse Marcel was a major at the only atomic bomber fleet in the world at that time. His commanding general was a guy named Ramey. 
uh, Jesse Marcel puts out a news release saying that the United States Air Force had captured a UFO. Well, that lasted about, oh, 24 hours until people in D.C. decided that telling the people the truth is more than we can deal with. And so uh, the, the general requires Ramey, uh, the general Ramey requires Marcel to pull out some balloon parts, some, some uh, you know, plastic and some sticks and some balsa wood and lay it out on the floor and be photographed saying, oh, I, as a major in charge of the only atomic bomber fleet in the world, who uses balloons on a daily basis, I confused a, 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 a deflated weather balloon with an alien craft full of bodies. And they sold that to the people, right? you got to wonder how stupid they think we are. And I genuinely believe that they use more and more ridiculous stories because, as George Orwell would say, if you can get the people to believe something and act upon something which they intellectually know cannot possibly be true, but you can get them to do it anyway, then you can get them to do anything. So let's go forward a little bit from 1947 to uh, the Kennedy assassination, right? This one, you know, when it comes to creating stories that they want the American people to believe, which most people using an ounce of sense would know could not possibly be true, this is, a, this is a, the one for all time. It's a typical example of where the true, truth will never come out. The patsy that they set up to create the myth gets murdered, and the people that create the lie get promoted. Well, let's see who's in charge of investigating the Kennedy assassination. There's a guy named Arlen Specter, right, uh, from the Warren Commission. What happened to Arlen Specter? After, uh, after his lies that uh, created the, the uh, single-shooter Lee Harvey Oswald myth, uh, he becomes a long-term senator from Pennsylvania. Who else was on that uh, Warren Commission? A, uh, a nondescript gentleman named Gerald Ford. Well, guess what happened to Gerald Ford? Despite the fact that he was uh, constantly described as being too stupid to walk and chew gum at the same time, <laughs> he became president of the United States. Well, I'm kind of a gun guy. You guys might know that. But so I'm, I'm taking a deposition. You all know I'm a personal injury lawyer. And I was up at NYU Medical Center taking the deposition of an emergency room doctor. And I had just broken my leg really badly. And, and I'd been out of work for a couple of weeks recuperating. And one of my fellow lawyers in my firm had given me all these books on the Kennedy assassination to read. And I had one of them with me while I'm deposing this doctor from NYU. And he looks over at me with, in disgust and says, so you're one of those Kennedy conspiracy theorists, right? And I said, well, um, doctor, how long have you been working in the emergency room here? He says, well, 20-some years. How often do you pull bullets out of people? He says, every day. I said, I'm going to show you a picture of a bullet, and I'm going to hypothesize the, the further. I'm going I'm to have you assume, for the sake of this question, that this bullet, it's a uh, – 5.6, I'm 6.5 by 52 millimeter uh, Maniker Carcano rifle bullet. Um, it uh, traversed through a back brace, through 15 layers of clothing, seven layers of skin, and approximately 15 inches of muscle tissue, then pulverized four inches of Governor Connolly's rib, then shattered his radius bone, went into his hip, and then magically fell out while he's on the gurney at Parkland Hospital. And I show you this picture and ask you if that's anything like plausibly true. And he looked at the picture and he said, that's BS. That bullet didn't go through anybody. And anybody that's ever shot anything with a rifle can tell you that that bullet did not go through Kennedy's back brace, through his neck, through Governor Connolly's back, through his ribs, through his wrist, and into his hip, and then magically end up 
on a gurney because it can't come through that process and look like that, even if it can make five right-angle turns in the process. And so they sell you a story, which everybody that's ever shot a deer in this country and took the bullet out of that deer will know is just complete BS. But they sold it, and they sell it today. Although, you know, and, and they seal all the records for years and decades. We're in the case of the uh, University of Delaware records on Joe Biden, 150 years, so that nobody who's alive at the time of these lies will be there at the time that the truth comes out, and by then, nobody will care. So let's do another one. Let's talk about the gas crisis of the 1970s. Folks my age will remember that there was an Arab oil embargo in 1973. And the government used that as an excuse to try to convince us to stop driving cars. That's when we got the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit. That's when we were told every day that oil was going to be completely exhausted in two years, that if we didn't conserve gas, if we didn't stand in lines, people our age will remember this, on Sundays you would you would – line up at the gas stations, wait all day, waiting for the gas station to open so you would get your ration of gasoline. And we were told that we'd be completely out of fossil fuels in two years. Well, let's see, 1975, that's a long time ago. And it seems like now we've got more oil on the planet than we know what to do with, except for Joe Biden won't let us drill for it. (laughs) But nobody remembers that, and nobody talks about it. So let's go another one from, you know, my favorite from, you know, a time when, when my child was born. Let's talk about milk carton kids. Do you remember when all the milk cartons had, had pictures of, of allegedly kidnapped children on them? And we were told there was this crisis. There was this huge crisis of, of kidnapping of, of innocent minors. And we should all go get our kids fingerprinted, right? In the real world, in those days, in no time during that period, was there ever any more than four children a year that were legitimately kidnapped by people that weren't non uh, custodial parents. I mean, it was essentially a non-issue. And yet, why did the government promote and why did the media promote and why did uh, the television stations throughout this country promote the concept that there was this crisis of child kidnapping? Well, it's to get your kids fingerprinted. My brother, you know, he may not be the brightest guy in the world, but he graduated from Princeton University. He uh, graduated from Washington U School of Law. Uh, but uh, he got his kids fingerprinted. So you got to think about this. Why? Is there going to be this big pile of dead kids somewhere where you got to sort through them and check their fingerprints <laughs> to see whose kid this is, right? I mean, actually, in one of these cases, you see the cops walking through the field looking at photographs to see whether or not the dead body they find might be the right one, like they're, you know, an excess of dead bodies <laughs> laying around. All this stuff is such nonsense. Let me talk more recently. Saddam Hussein in the Iraq War. Do you remember... General Colin Powell standing up in front of the U.N. saying, we know that Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction. We know how many he has, and we know where he keeps them. And we launch shock and awe. We kill directly over a million Iraqis. As a result of our war and the poisons and the, and the depleted uranium shells and everything else, more than 2 million additional Iraqis died. 3 million dead people on a direct line. And so the next time you're watching Fox television or any of the mainstream media and they talk about our need to defend Ukraine against this, this baseless invasion of a, of a sovereign nation by the Russians with, under false pretenses, ask yourself, how come nobody mentions these days that we invaded Iraq under completely false pretenses and killed 10 times as many people as the Russians have killed in Ukraine? Just absolute BS. 
I can talk about climate change. I can talk about, of course, you know, I could do seven programs on climate change, and I probably will. Um, but then you've got this current lie of racist police killing of unarmed black men. I mean, in the city of St. Louis, we have about 200 murders a year. In the nation, we have about 10,000 murders a year of blacks killing blacks. At the same time, we have maybe 13 to 19 a year unarmed black males killed by police officers. Now, unarmed doesn't mean non-dangerous, but that's the total number. It is, it is in the big picture, essentially a non-event. More people get killed in the city of St. Louis every week in some weeks than are killed by police officers in the entire country in an entire year. And because it's black-on-black crime and you can't make any money out of it if you're Benjamin Gump and you can't make any money out of it if you're Al Sharpton, nobody cares. The value of a human life in this country is worth exactly as much political capital and money as you can make out of it. And that's just, you know, that's one more example. Then, and then, and then, you know, you can go on and on and on. How about the 2020 election when they tell us it was the safest, most secure, and most honest election we've ever had? When, you know, a blind person could see the fraud involved in that. So let's go, uh, let's go a little bit closer into time here. How about the insurrection? How about the January 6th? 20 insurrection, right? I have a little personal experience with insurrection because 350 to 500 insurrection has broke down my gate, charged my house, threatened to kill me, rape and murder my wife, burn down my house, burn down my office building, even kill my dog. Not a single one of those people did a day in jail, okay? Not a single one of them did a day in jail. There are still people in solitary confinement in D.C. rotting in horrible holes, being tortured and and not given medicine and freezing for crimes of what? Trespass, uh, parading without a license, being on capital grounds. Some people that weren't even on capital grounds but are imprisoned because they wouldn't rat out people they thought were on capital grounds. I mean, and then we can do stuff like the China balloons this week and last week where the uh, government's shooting down things that they can't even tell you what they are. God help us if we're up in the air up there and, the, and Biden needs some cover. What's the real story, right? Who the heck is ever going to know? But I can tell you this, that when they let a spy balloon traverse the United States, collecting information on the pretense that we can't shoot it down because it might fall somewhere in Alaska or Canada or the wilds of Montana and might fall on somebody, at the same time, this very same administration sets fire to tank loads of vinyl chloride in East Palestine, Ohio, my wife's home neighborhood, and lets that fallout descend on thousands of people without any apology, without any presence. There was a town hall meeting in East Palestine last night. Nobody from the EPA showed up. Nobody from the railroad showed up. Mayor Pete didn't show up. They don't care. Well, why don't they care? A, they're white people. B, they voted 71% for uh, Donald Trump in the last election. And C, they need to be punished for their whiteness and their republicanness. And, you know, the government really doesn't care. And then they're going to seal all these documents forever. So, ladies and gentlemen, the lesson to be learned is that if it's being told to you by the media, if you're watching it on television, if you're reading it on the web, if it comes across a newspaper, for those few of us that still get newspapers, it is a lie. And whatever you read, whatever the official announcement is, give it the sniff test. Ask yourself, does this make any empirical sense in the real world? And if it does not, then toss it in the trash. Use your own brain. God gave you a brain, use it 
and don't believe what the government tells you. Don't believe what the media tells you. The powers that be are there to suppress you, suppress truth, and to tell you a lie to create that one world single socialist government, the Great Reset. More Mark McCloskey on fire coming up on News Talk STL. Ladies and gentlemen, our culture is under attack. This is a deliberate plan by the powers that be to destroy our culture, destroy our heritage, and destroy our civilization. This is Mark McCloskey on fire on News Talk STL, and welcome back. You know, this country, this United States of America, this thing that we grew up in where we are supposed to be the land of the free and the home of the brave and all working together for a common good, the United States of America has become the most immoral perverse, degenerate country on earth, and it's an intended plan. It is a fruition of a lifetime or more of the, of the powers that be working to undermine our culture. The, uh, the, the, the bottom line is that think about what, was, what the world was like when we, were, when we were younger. What holds the fabric of society together? Family, religion, shared values, fa- shared heritage and culture. Think about what was on television when I was a kid, right? The Andy of Mayberry show, Leave It to Beaver, Make Room for Daddy, Father Knows Best, Marcus Welby, MD. What do all these shows have in common? They have a mother and father who are married, have the same last name. They have kids that wear shirts and sometimes ties and shoes. They go to work. They uphold traditional family values. You have nighttime, primetime entertainment where nobody says a swear word, when sex is never mentioned, when people are heterosexual and God-fearing, where the concepts of personal responsibility, morality, and, and, and the common good are the, are the primary themes, where not everybody is perfect, where Opie Taylor sometimes will do a bad thing, like shoot a sparrow with a slingshot, or, or the beaver will get in some trouble and get stuck in a coffee cup. But they're remorseful for it, and there's a lesson to be learned, and that lesson is how to be good and kind and peaceful and respectful, to dress nice, to act nice, to be polite, and to apologize for your mistakes. Well, look at what we have in the country today. Everything that, uh, that you see on television, everything that you see in the media, everything that you see on your web is designed to debase us from our basic principles. Rather than forming a a community of values, a community of respect, and a community that is calling for the same purpose, what we have is a world where if you're going to be on television or you're going to trend on the web or you're going to be popular in any format, you have to be as nasty and as vile and as insulting as possible. you got to constantly be drawing on insult, backbiting, conniving, threats, sex of all kinds, and the more perverse the sex, the better the program. You know, let's take a look, for example, at the Super Bowl last year. Last year we had lesbian sex uh, enacted during the halftime show. What do we have this year? This year we had a bunch of hip-thrusting, crotch-grabbing, pseudo-orgy on the entire time. And this, is a, this is a football game. This is something that kids are going to be watching. How do, how do you explain to your five-year-old kid what a, what a woman on stage is doing when she's grabbing her rear end or grabbing her crotch and then sticking her fingers in her mouth. I mean, what is this about? Daddy, what are those people thrusting their hips at me for? I mean, how do you explain these things? 
How do you how do you have a kid grow up? Where could you possibly have the innocence of youth these days in this environment? It just it just cannot exist. And so, you know, what are we what are we going to do about it? I mean, my wife uh, always says that uh, it's going to be easier to win the political battle than it is the social battle. I mean, if you look around the planet today and you look at the way people dress, the way people interact, if you look down the my, – my office building is in the city of St. Louis. Uh, we're on Lindell Boulevard across from the Catholic Cathedral. But if you look at what passes by our window – you get people with their pants falling down. I've actually photographed people changing their clothes, I mean, all the way down to complete nakedness and back up, uh, whilst uh, um, engaging in bodily functions uh, on the street in front of an office building. I mean, this is, this is a world today. Uh, you know, the concept of uh, looking respectable, having self-respect, wanting to uh, look good for your neighbors, look good for your relatives, look good for your boss. It's completely ignored these days. It is, it is, a, it is a morass of, uh, of, of, you know, just baselessness. And there's this constant effort on the part of the powers that be to demonize traditional culture, to demonize our heritage, to demonize the things that, that made this country great. I mean, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a whole show on this, but the concept, this uh, constant BS of diversity making us stronger has been one of the most destructive forces that we've encountered during my lifetime because the thing that made this country great, the thing that makes the United States the, 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 that shining light in the hill was the fact that everybody who came to this country did so with a common purpose. My wife's family is a great example. My wife's family is from what's now the Czech Republic. Two generations ago, they landed in the United States. Her uh, uh, grandmother comes over with a tag on her shirt that says, my name is Anna, and a sausage under your arm, and that's it. These families settled in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, didn't know how to speak English, didn't have any money, but they knew how to work hard, and they went to work in the steel mills there. And out in the two families living in one little clapboard shack, I mean, I've been there um, several times. The last time I was there, the house where her family grew up in was for sale for $17,000 in today's money. That two families growing up together in that little shack working for the steel mills, out of that shack came the uh, president of the largest advertising agency in the world, Michael Novak, who founded the American Enterprise Institute, two members of the uh, board of directors or board of trustees of Penn State University, not because they were, you know, uh, tapped on the shoulder by some superior power, not that some government agency came down and gave them money or gave them support. They gave themselves support. They worked hard, they prospered, and they passed it along to, their, to the next generation. And that's what this country used to be about. But all those things that I talked about, the, the, the values and the traditions supported by things like Leave it to Beaver or Andy Griffith's show or any of these other shows, Make Room for Daddy, for example. Oh, they talk about Daddy. That's bad. That's sexist, right? Um, but they're ridiculed. They're ridiculed. By the left, they're ridiculed by the right even. They're ridiculed on a late-night TV. And why? Why would it be that you would make fun of, you would demean, you would minimalize programs that stand for everything that this country used to stand for? Hard work, self-respect, integrity, and a common morality. Well, the answer is that if, they, if people have common morality, if they have a common shared goal, 
they will know basic right from wrong. And the problem with our world today is that the powers that be have spent a hundred years trying to create social and moral relativism to where there's no absolute rights or wrongs, where yet the only thing that exists is what the media tells you exists. And it's, it's not a matter of whether what you're doing is right. It's a matter of whether or not you can get away with it. And so much of our society is based on that now. All the, For example, all the uh, George Soros-funded uh, prosecutors like we have here in St. Louis and in Chicago and in New York and in more than 30 different major metropolitan areas where they refuse to uh, enforce the laws passed by the legislatures, this isn't because they're stupid. It's not because they're lazy. It's because they wish to create an environment where there's lawlessness, where there's no sense of right or wrong, where the only question is, can you get away with your crime? And the answer is typically yes. Because, you know, I said this at the Republican National Convention two years ago. In this upside-down world, the prosecutors view their jobs as protecting criminals from honest citizens rather than protecting honest citizens from criminals. Why? Because it makes people afraid. Why? Because it eliminates the standards by which we had all grown up. Why? Because out of chaos comes tyranny. And once again, as I said in the first segment, that's the basis of everything you see and hear everywhere, is to create chaos, to create a destruction of our basic principles so that we eventually become malleable. If you get people to believe things and act upon things which they intellectually know are impossible, but you make them believe it anyway and act upon it in any way, you can make them believe anything. The, uh, the philosopher Emil Durkheim had a term called anomie, normlessness. And that was, was described as a vehicle for rapid social change, that when you strip people of their basic moral foundation, you can make them believe anything. And that's what we have going on right now in this country. So, you know, the, 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 the bottom line is, if you're going to save this country, you have to cure the moral decay. You have to create respect for law and order. You have to create respect for family. You have to restore faith in God. And you've got to do it now. And, you know, why does a government do everything it can to divest us from our faith in God? Because a government wants to be the only power. If there are powers greater than the government, then the government can't tell you what to do. If there are God-given rights and not government-issued privileges, you will object to the government taking those rights away. If, if you've got a family to defend, you'll do so even if it costs you your life. If you've got property to defend, you will do so even if it puts you in peril. And that's those three things. Family, God, and property are the things that are worth fighting for, the things that are worth dying for. And that's the very reason why the government wishes to separate us from those things. I would go on and on and on and on about, about these topics, but the, the bottom line is look at, look at the, um, every major American city. Every American ma- major American city has got a third world nation in the middle of it. And that third world nation is made up of, of impoverished people who are uh, mostly single parent families with no discipline. They're, they're families where people are, are raised without a, set, without a strong father influence, without a family core, without a basis in common morality where people are left in this, this moral morass to try to figure their way through it. And the way they are told to figure through it is by doing what the government says. 
And, you know, I'm going to get into this in the next segment. But the bottom line is that there's nothing we can do to save this country until we restore a moral basis to it, until we restore that sense of common heritage, common culture, and direct our activities toward restoring this to the country that it was before the powers that be pulled all the underpinnings out. We need to encourage families with two parents. We need to encourage hard work, self-reliance. and We need to encourage a sense of responsibility for our own futures and not constantly expect someone else, not constantly blame someone else for our losses, not blame somebody else for our failures, and not expect somebody else to take care of us and, and preserve us. It is our duty to ourselves, to our families, to be responsible for ourselves and to, uh, quite frankly, every single day of our lives, fight against that anomie, that normlessness, and restore the values that have made this the greatest country in the history of the world. Get more Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com. Mark McCloskey on fire on News Talk STL. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the middle of a civil war right now. This is Mark McCloskey on fire at News Talk STL. And, uh, you know, for the last two and a half years, I've been speaking to people, oh, for a long time on almost a nightly basis. And I always started my presentation with that phrase. We are in the middle of a civil war, and we're not fighting back. The powers that be out there are doing everything they can to destroy this country, and we're allowing it to happen right before our eyes. Our culture, our morality, our basic human God-given liberties are being stripped from us right before our eyes, and we are not fighting back. Um, the, the powers that be censor any attempt at, at, at independent thought, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll dig into that just just a little bit here. I mean— who would have thought that we would ever live in a, in a United States of America where the president of the United States, who put his hand on the Bible on January the 20th of 2021 uh, and said he's going to uphold the Constitution and the laws of the United States and then declare a ministry of truth, a disinformation governance board, a government-sponsored censorship that would declare what's, what's news and what is not news, what is information, and what is disinformation, and not just prohibit you from dispersing or disseminating what they call misinformation, but punish you or imprison you for saying it. I mean, uh, there's, there's all kinds of examples. But one of the, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the political prisoners from January 6th was out on, on pretrial release, and they kicked down his doors, found him in his garage, listening to Mike Lindell on his daughter's cell phone, and they revoked his release and threw him back in the dungeon. There was a, a guy out in California who was uh, uh, on some kind of family uh, charge, some kind of you know uh, family violence charge, who uh, on his pretrial review, they found on his Facebook page that uh, famous copy of myself and my wife standing on the front porch with guns. They gave him six extra months. For having a picture of us in his uh, on his web page, I mean that's that's the way this has gotten. Who would ever figure that there would be that kind of censorship in this country? And now we find out that the FBI was directly involved in censoring information about Hunter Biden and about the Biden family prior to the last election, and that they were on a weekly basis having meetings with uh, with media companies to tell them 
what was and what was not going to be appropriate, whose Facebook page is to be taken down. And this is allegedly a free country. I mean, one of the ways you can tell how unfree a country is is how frequently the people are told how free they are, right? And obviously, everything that the government says to us is the exact opposite of what it really is. But, you know, we now live in a country where people are afraid to say what they believe. They're afraid to say who they support for president for fear of being ostracized, for fear of losing their jobs, for fear of losing their social relationships, for fear of alienating their own families. I can tell you I've known Many, many people I've met on the campaign trail who uh, will tell you that their own family won't talk to them anymore, that their kids won't have Thanksgiving dinner with them anymore, because everybody is afraid. Everybody is afraid of uh, what's going to happen to them down the road if they, if they say anything that the government feels is misinformation. And You know, I was watching uh, Tucker Carlson the other night, and he had on an Anglican priest who was arrested for having a bumper sticker on his car that said, Unborn Lives Matter. This is a country, this is uh, the United Kingdom, England, where our basic rights were first put down on paper in 1213, where the basis of all our, uh, the, the, the rights that God gave us were first transcribed in the, in the English language and passed down from generation to generation, where it's now against the law for an Anglican priest to be in favor of life. I mean, who could imagine such a thing? But, you know, I always figured that at some point in our lives, FEMA would create some kind of faux emergency, that they would declare martial law, that they would put us all under house arrest and and, uh, prohibit us from going to work and prohibit us from going to church, prohibit us from going to school, prohibit us from going outside. But I figured they'd have to put a gun to our head to make us behave. And then three years ago, next month, the government came up with COVID-19 and decided that we needed to be locked down. They imposed the most absurd and comprehensive restrictions. They closed the entire country down. They told us we couldn't go to church despite our First Amendment. They told us we couldn't go to work. They told us we could not go to the hospital and watch our own children being born if we were men. They were told that our parents and grandparents had to die alone in nursing homes or in hospitals or we weren't allowed to visit them. And what? Was there a mass movement? Was there, was there riots in the streets? Were there, were there bands of, of, uh, of protesters demanding the end of these policies? No. The Americans just laid down and accepted it. I called COVID-19 lockdowns the final exam on American freedom. What more proof could the federal government, could the powers that be have of how absolutely cowed the American people had become other than the fact that they said all these things. They said, stay home. You can't go to church. You can't go to work. You can't see your parents die in the hospital, even if it means the loss of your livelihood, the loss of your savings, the loss of your business. And everybody just did it. I called that the final exam on American freedom and we all failed that test. We all proved to the government that they can do anything to us, and we won't stand up against us. So one of the one of the questions that I've been asking throughout this uh, this campaign and throughout the time that I've been uh, uh, you know active in trying to talk to other people out there, which is I think we joined the Trump campaign July the thirteenth of twenty twenty. So it's been two and a half years or so now. Are there enough of us? 
I mean, are there enough people out there today that we can win this thing, that we can pull this back? You know, I go to, I go to meetings, Republican conventions, Republican Central Committee for different counties all over the country, and I look around the room, and I'm 66 years old, and I'm typically the youngest person there. There may be some younger people, but if they are, they're five or ten years younger than me. And so I look around the room and I say, look, the powers that be don't have to defeat us. They just have to wait because we're gone. I mean, the people that remember when this was a free country will be gone. And I'll digress one more time. I'll probably digress more than one more time, but let's talk about uh, 9-11 and the Patriot Act, right? I'm a lawyer. What I live on is, is the likelihood that things will happen and whether or not people have a duty to protect you from it, right? Let's talk about cars. The most dangerous thing you will ever do in your life is get in your car and go for a drive. Traditionally, about 3,000 people a month die in car accidents in this country. Um, and, uh, you know, let's think about some other 3,000 people that died. There were 3,000 people allegedly killed in the, the 911 attacks. Let's assume for the sake of this argument that these things actually happened the way the government told us. Let's assume for the sake of this question that a bunch of, uh, of uh, uh, Islamic militants Islamic terrorists actually took over three airplanes and flew them into buildings, including the Pentagon. Let's imagine for the sake of this discord that we can actually believe that a giant passenger airplane can be flown into the Pentagon, which is, you know, one would suspect to be kind of a well-secured place. One might suspect they've got cameras there. Have you ever seen a single picture of a giant commercial airliner flying into the Pentagon? There is not a single picture that shows a plane flying into the Pentagon. There's not a single picture of, like, engine parts or landing gear or the kinds of things that would not melt or blow apart at impact anywhere in the, uh, in the Pentagon. But let's, let's, let's assume, let's just disregard all that, put our blinders on, and believe what the government tells us about what happened. Let's believe that, that uh, 3,000 or so people were actually killed by Arab terrorists on uh, uh, 911. And uh, let's think what a logical response would be. Well, I'm old enough to have lived through the uh, Soviet Union and the time when, the, as Ronald Reagan put it, the evil empire was trying to take over the world. And they were spending what in today's dollars are hundreds of billions of dollars a year with a sophisticated network of agents provocateur and revolutionaries throughout the world trying to undermine every Western democracy trying to undermine all the independent governments in Africa and South America and infiltrating the United States and doing everything they could to fund every anti-American party from the Green Party to the Democrat Party to everything else for decades to try to destroy democracy. And then on the September 11th of 2021, or, or 2001 rather, um, we are told that uh, 19 Arab terrorists flew three planes into three buildings, killing 3,000 people. We didn't give up our constitutional rights to fight the communists during the Cold War. We didn't give up our constitutional rights to uh, combat a uh, organized plan being fostered by the Soviet Union, spending billions of dollars to destroy our democracy. But we're told that a, uh, a single gentleman by the name of Osama bin Laden, living in a cave somewhere in Afghanistan, was such a threat to the future of our democracy, the future of our democratic republic, that we had to forfeit 
our civil rights. We had to do away with the Fourth Amendment that would be open to search and seizure, that the government could listen to our telephone conversations and read our mail and read our emails and follow us and surveil us. And we would have then secret courts, these uh, FOSA courts, to put us in prison for the rest of our lives if they wanted to on secret evidence. Because you get charged and you go into court and you say, show me what evidence you have against me. And they say, we can't. That's secret. It would be, it would be disclosing super secret information if we could tell you why you're, you're a bad guy and why you have to go to prison for the rest of your life. Nobody ever thought that anything like that could be done in this country, but they've just renewed it again. And so you got to ask yourself, you know, and I, we, we put the, uh, the, the uh, VCR on record for 24 continuous hours as soon as uh, the World Trade Center got hit. And every single major politician from the first minute said, we're going to have to recognize a new America from now, an America with fewer civil rights. I mean, uh, no matter what the reality of the event was, the response had been planned for a long time. So what are we going to do about this, right? Are we going to allow our country to, to be destroyed? Are we going to allow um, that uh, that the, everything that this country stands for will be torn away from us? I ask the question again. Are there enough of us to stop it? You know, if we all stand up, if we resist, if we refuse to follow uh, unconstitutional invasions on our on our rights if we forget that our rights came to us by god if we forget that we have certain inalienable human rights based on the fact that we're human beings made in the image of the lord if we refuse to forgive uh, or forget those rights if we refuse and just do nothing meaning well when they ask you to do what you know is, is wrong refuse to do it when they ask you to restrict your life based on some unconstitutional burden, refuse to do it. If we all stand together, if we refuse to conform, if we refuse and resist, there's a limitation on how many of us they can put in concentration camps. There's a limit on how many of us they can put in jail. There's a limit on how many of us they can prosecute. As Solzhenitsyn said, that if anyone would have just stood up, if that, when, when they hauled your neighbor out of his apartment at 3 o'clock in the morning, instead of saying, oh, I guess he really was a bad guy. If he just stood up and said, look, this is basically wrong, then they would not have been able to do it in the Soviet Union. We should not allow it to happen here. We need to stand up. We need to resist. We need to show this government that we are not sheep, that we will be a free people, that we will be people that are proud to stand for the American flag and kneel when we pray. Well, is it going to happen? I don't know. i got to tell you what you need to do in the meantime, though. You need to prepare it. You need to buy guns, you need to buy ammunition, you need to buy food and water. And water's the key, right? Because the average overweight American can live a month or two without eating anything, and God knows it would help me, but you go about three days without water, okay? And so what happens when when the crisis hits, when the fit hits the shan, and your (laughs) bank account doesn't work, and the doors in the grocery store don't open, and your money is worthless? What's currency at the time of crisis? Bullets, antibiotics painkillers, and that's about it. And so what we have to do right now, ladies and gentlemen, I can't tell you how honestly I believe this. We are at a crisis point right now. Our, our country is under attack. We are in the middle of a civil war by people that are genuinely evil. 
that wish to destroy our, our religion, our culture, our heritage, and replace it with a, with a form of slavery which is so alien, alien to everything that we've stood for. We have to fight back against it, and we have to be prepared for, the, for a long and difficult battle. Ladies and gentlemen, we all have to stand up right now, stand together as one people, stand together as a free people, and like I say, show the powers that be, that, that shadow government, that we will not be sheep, that we will be a free people, and we'll stand together as free people and pull back that consent to the governed and show this government that it works for us and we will not be its slaves. Get more Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com.